Welcome. This is Victoria Schneps, president of Schneps Media. We reach you in print, digital, through events, and broadcasting as we are now, our wonderful podcast, uh, Power Women. And who is more powerful than my beautiful Tunisia Walker Miller, CEO, founder of the Source Consulting Group. Welcome, Tunisia. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's truly an honor to be here with you. I'm excited. Well, you know, everybody, that uh, this is the Power of Women podcast, but Tunisia is a qualified 2021 Power Woman of Queens. And where was the other Power Woman? Was it Nassau? No, that Power Woman was the Power Woman of New York. Oh, New York. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was the so, big one. <laughs> okay. Yes. The Big Banana is our wonderful great city that we hope uh, now is coming back to its glory. And hopefully, you know, our new mayor, Eric Adams, will be making it what it is, the greatest yes. city in the world. Yes. Indeed. So, Tanisha, let's talk about you. Let okay. me talk about, you know, your founding of the Source Consulting Group. I want to go back into your childhood and share with me a little about what in your childhood helped you become the woman you are today? Well, I I will definitely say that just overall, my family was my biggest influencer. I come from a very big Caribbean family. Some may say we're like, we're we're a mutt. (laughs) We're, we're, We're Trinidadian, we're Barbadian, we're Guyanese, we're, we're Grenadian. And in all of those different islands comes different philosophies of how mm-hmm. you know, children should be raised, how you know we should be respectful of our elders. But at the end of the day, we, we are a spiritual support system for each other. We are a realistic encouragement system for each other. And we are people who love competition. Oh, so my, my biggest influencer is, is my grandfather. He's the biggest challenger of all, all of us. He's 103 years old right now. He's going to oh, be 104 next year. And oh. if that's not a challenge, I don't know what is. <laughs> this man, you know, has raised all of us generationally. There's a total of 42 grandchildren and, oh my. and 23 great grands. Oh, my and, goodness. And he's raised all of us to know one main thing always be better than what the family has given you and always make sure to take the terms of knowledge and help others. And don't forget your history. Don't forget that the respect that's given to you should be given on to others. And he tells that to me all the time when I go see him, he's like, how's things going? I'm like, good. He's like, are you helping other people? Yes, I am. And he's like, and what are you doing about it? And I will tell him, you know, grandpa, I'm making sure that, you know, one, those are are my daily breaths is to make sure that people of color and women especially have their fair share, making sure that no matter what's happening in life, that if they have a business, that that business will be successful, that there's people they can turn to, making sure that there's, you know, resources that they can find 
and that I'm the person to provide it to them. I'm that source of inspiration and encouragement to make sure that they are successful just as you've made sure I'm successful. And he goes, all right, then you're doing your job. Now make sure your cousin gets a job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think just by his longevity, but his inspiration, how beautiful is that? Yeah, he's, uh, this is a man who's a tailor. He made all of his children's clothes. He also made clothes, suits, and gowns for the prime ministers of Barbados, Trinidad, and also came to America with my grandmother, who was a nurse, and learned how to adapt to American culture. And he became a famous tailor for uh, the WWF Wrestling Federation. He He used to make the costumes that the wrestlers wore. So I got to meet Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, back in the day, Superfly Jimmy Snooker back in the day, and they all knew him as Fred. His name is Will Fred, but he goes by Fred when it comes to them. And, you know, it was just one of those things looking at my grandfather and looking at how hard he worked and knowing that no matter what, he'd come home at the end of the day and he'd say, how was school? What did you learn? Okay, good. Keep it up. You know, and then when I got into college, he said, oh, you got into college? Good. So you're doing better than me. Okay, keep it up. You're not going to get an undergrad, right? You're going to get a doctorate. And I was like, well, Grandpa, I don't know about a doctorate. You're pushing that a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how sweet is he? How how, how on the money he is to have been uh, your inspiration. And tell us about what is the Source Consulting Group and how you came to create it. Oh, wow. Um, That was definitely years in the making, to be honest with you. It came through trials and tribulations of working in government, working in nonprofits, helping minority women businesses over the years and seeing what they went through. And then also with the help of Capolino, that's the lobby firm that I work for also as a principal. The source started before that. I mean, you know, what what brought you to them? Because that's a a very well-known firm that you were part of. Mm -hmm. So I was working as a non with the grassroots organization called ACORN back in the day that advocated for housing, advocated for immigration affairs, and also helped a lot of, you know, minority and small businesses with getting contract opportunities. Back then, there was really no place for them to go. People didn't understand local law one. People didn't understand how to talk to folks in government. So I would figure out different ways to actually communicate that information to them, make them understand what the local law meant, looking at contract opportunities for them to see whether or not they actually benefited from that contract or not if they applied. Also, writing some of the responses for the contracts because no one understood how to write a contract response. Those contracts to procurements, people were just like, what are they asking me for? What do they want me to write? What are they asking me to do? (laughs) So I had to figure it out. And then I had the opportunity to be the executive director of the New York State Senate Conference of Black Senators under Senator Ruth Hassel Thompson, who actually helped write the legislation for Article 15A to help minority women businesses get their fair share of goals and certifications for the state. So that gave me an opportunity to learn from a master. Ruth is, you know, one of my my biggest, you know, mentors. 
aside from Bertha Lewis, of course, you know, from Acorn. Right. But in terms of minority businesses, I learned a lot from her. I learned a lot about government regulations, truly how to, how they work on the inside. And that helped me with being able to help businesses on the outside because mm-hmm. I understood what the agencies really were looking for. And I knew what words to use in responses that they understood when it came to helping folks apply for some of these contract opportunities. So I used, I used all of that. And then I had the opportunity to uh, work for Capolino as their, their lobbyist. And yeah, they are a lobbying firm of, of yes. quite a few people, right? Yes. And Jim Capolino um, hired me to be their, their state relations person. But, you know, Jim is a man of, of many hats and what he, and many talents. And what he realized from me is that I'm not just a lobbyist. I'm actually someone who educates. Mm-hmm. And what he realized is that there were so many clients who did not understand MWBE. What did that mean? What is that term? And he helped me to understand that I needed to teach that to his clients. Jim has a lot of clients who are in the development field, a lot of clients that are non-minority, who were constantly saying they couldn't find minority women businesses to help them be subcontractors on. Mm -hmm. And I saw that as an opportunity to create the MWBE consulting group within Capolino to create a directory source of certified minority women businesses that could actually help some of Jim's clients that were primes on contract opportunities. So I created a directory of over 750 minority women businesses in various different industries from construction to, you know, technology to general business consulting to, uh, you know, garbage removal, recyclables, you know, you name it. You know, anything you can think of, I was able to research, find these folks, look at the certification directory, contact some of these folks to say, hey, I know you're certified. Are you getting any business? No? Okay, let's talk. I might be able to help you. So how do you get paid? How do you, how are you getting hired? What are the services the firm offers now your source consulting group? So my services are paid through the client. Um, most of the engagements are directly from the client. So if a client comes to me at the source and says, I need help with my certification, I charge them a small fee to assist them with their certification. But after I finish with their certification, I keep them on as a client without paying, without them charging me. Um, I help them with their business development. I help them with their procurement understanding to make sure that they're looking for the right contracts so that when they're ready to leave me and go on their own, they have the right source of tools to be able to find contract opportunities, be able to write responses for these contract opportunities, be able to pitch themselves to agencies when the presentation time comes for these contracts, as well as be able to make sure that their contracts are properly in place. I give them information on key lawyers that I work with so that they will understand how to read their contracts from the city or from the state, because that's key to understanding their times for payments, (laughs) invoicing, and so forth. And then also the compliance aspect. So I kind of stay with them. I kind of, you know, I'm like a mama bee. I don't fully let you go. I kind of like keep you in my family so that you can call me at any time. 
And, and I want to make sure that they're successful at the end of the day. You know, money is, is, is good, but knowing that I helped a business grow and become successful is, is what I really love about what I do. And that's what makes me sleep well at night. I call it the pillow talk. <laughs> so yes. you can put your head down on a pillow yes. and, yes. and talk another day. And yes. I think, you know, um, how does a woman qualify? Is there kind of like a, a capsule a guidance you can tell us over the uh, podcast? Yes. So if you're looking to qualify on the city level, there's four the main city things. agencies. In other mm-hmm. words, to apply for uh, work under the umbrella mm-hmm. of the MWBE city mm-hmm. agencies. Is that what you mm-hmm. mean? Yes. For city certification. Okay. So once you're certified, right, as a, well, let me take a step back. In order to get certified, you have to make sure that one, your business has been up and running for at least a year. Two, you have a business banking account um, where your money will be dispensed and, and you know your funding will come through. And then three, you also need to make sure that you have an article of operation that actually outlines your business because the city wants to make sure that you have the right um, components of what a business format looks like. And once you have that, you can apply for certification. A lot of folks are under the misnomer that you have to have had contracts in place in order to apply for certification. You don't. You don't have to have an actual contract. You can apply without having any business contracts at all. Okay, so that's a tip. Um, Once you are certified, the first thing you need to do is make sure that your business model reflects your business in terms of what government is looking for. So, so give it, me an example. Yes. So I will use you for example. You are a print digital events and broadcasting company. I would say the first thing you would do is one, look at the New York City court reporter to see what contract opportunities are currently out for the agencies that are looking for someone who's doing media. And if you don't see anything there, then I would say, look at each of the individual agency contracts that are currently out for that agency pertaining to media, because the New York City system has to release, and this is public knowledge, on the checkbook system, they have to release all the contracts that the city has. They're currently engaging it. So if an agency currently has a contract with a media firm, you can actually look and see how long that contract will be. And if that contract is going to be up soon, guess what? You can then contact that agency and find out who the procurement officers are and start having some real conversations and introduce yourself. Mm-hmm. So, that's so there's one. a lot of proactivity you have to have in yes. terms of both researching what contracts are available yes. and then being able to make the relationship. So it's almost like um, it seems to me like that itself is a full-time job. So do you provide that service? So if somebody's business, they're too busy in the business to do that, that you do that for them? I do. I do. And the reason why I do that is because so many small businesses are just that. They're single operating businesses. They don't have the time. They don't have people in, in their back office who can do that type of work. So I take that burden off of them by being that key source to locate that type of information for them and to be able to put the full report together to say, okay, I found out that NYCHA 
has a contract coming up in the next six months that pertains to media. And I think that this would be a good fit for you. They're looking for X, Y, Z to be able to publicate their information. There you go. Well, I think, you know, that gives me a very great segue into asking you for secrets to success. What would you suggest people do to be as successful as you are? There's three things. Well, actually, there's 10 because I I have what's called the source tips. Um, (laughs) But I'll give you the top three. I will say one, research. Your business is your brand and your life. And in order for it to maintain its stability, you have to do research on how to maintain it. And how do you do that is by looking at government and looking at private sectors to see if your brand actually fits into their space. That's one. Two, making sure that your pitch about your business is not long-winded, is straight to the point, because no one has time to listen to a full speech when they're on the go. So you got to make sure that you have that five-second speech ready to go. And three, have patience. No one finds opportunities overnight. It takes time. It's, it's a roadmap that's going to have a lot of bumps, a lot of craters, And sometimes it has potholes that are so deep that you literally will take months to climb out of. But you have to learn from each crater, each bump, each pothole, each crater. Because when you learn from those little divots, you will be even stronger and more successful at the end. Fabulous. It's almost like you learn more from your failures than you do successes because you learn from your mistakes. Is that what you're saying? That's basically it. Well, I think that's it with me today to say thank you for being with us. I've really learned so much. And I'm so delighted that Tanisha Walker Miller, a true power woman, power woman of New York, power woman of Queens, and now a power woman podcaster. This is Victoria Schnepp saying goodbye till next time. Bye now. Bye. Bye.